I woke up this morning, and as soon as I opened my eyes, literally as soon as I opened my eyes, the, the word of the Lord came to me. It doesn't often happen that way. In fact, it's kind of unusual for it to happen that way. But as soon as I opened my eyes, the word of the Lord came to me, and he said, I want you to preach on Nehemiah tonight. And so I, I went and I did some studying, and, uh, and, and he opened some things up to me. Now, I want to say to you that are watching, I want to say something to you to help you understand how the Spirit works. When I was uh, on Monday night, Pastor Nancy was doing her class. And uh, if you recall, I, I was doing the Daily Connection and I had to kind of keep it. I think we did it 19 minutes or something because I had to leave because uh, I was part of her minister's uh, teaching. Uh, me and a number of other ministers under her and FOF, uh, you know, have this teaching once or twice a month from her. And as she was teaching, Jenny, you know, she shares a lot of scriptures. I mean, there's sometimes there can be five, ten or even more scriptures that she shares, sometimes less. But, but you know, as she was saying something, she didn't even look it up. She didn't read it. She didn't even quote it exactly the way it said in the word, but she quoted the gist of it. And she quoted a statement about Nehemiah. And when she quoted it, my spirit jumped. Now she quotes lots of scriptures and my spirit doesn't jump. So learn my brothers and sisters to pay attention when you hear either somebody say something, it might not even be a scripture verse, they just say something in passing or in a conversation. And when your spirit goes, Boop, when that happens, pay attention to it. Or if a verse or is quoted or something, and there's a, there's a lift, there's a jump. I don't know how else to explain it other than it feels like a jump. It felt like my spirit jumped. I don't know how else to, my spirit's not jumping. I don't know what, it, what to call it in English, but it felt something lifted uh, instantly. Now, she's reading a lot of verses. If that happened on all the verses, then how would I be able to distinguish one from the other? All of it is revelation knowledge. All of it is important. I'm listening to all of it as she's teaching. The ministers on Zoom, I'm listening to all of it, but pay attention when one particular statement, phrase, scripture, whatever, leaps on the inside. When that happens, that is the Holy Ghost. Uh, that's really the bearing of witness. It's not his voice, and it's not the voice of your spirit. It's not a voice. You're not hearing any words, but there's a knowing. There's that jumping is a knowing. What is that? That's called the bearing of witness, but it's a very clear and distinct bearing of witness, and that's the Holy Ghost bearing witness with your spirit Pay attention, I've got something to tell you. Now, sometimes when you hear that statement, what the statement you heard is what God wanted to tell you. And other times, it's not the statement necessarily, or it might be part of what God wants to tell you, but he wants you to go and wait on him and pray and study and he'll either take that statement and grow it, or he'll take that statement and, and unravel it more, or there may be other statements that he has that you don't even know about, but he's getting your attention from that statement. Yeah. So don't always think just the statement that left was the only instruction of God. Sometimes it's a trail of breadcrumbs. Yeah. When I want Taylor to come to my office, I put little uh, uh, you know, candies on the carpet, and I say, Taylor, can you come, brother? And then and he'll, just, he'll just walk on. <laughs> Yeah, so you, 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 know how, you know how the witch in Hansel and Gretel, you know how the witch, not to talk about witches, but you know how that evil demonic cartoon, don't ever look at it, don't ever read that awful book. It scared the, it scared the, the living something out of me when I was a child. I'll never forget the, the months of nightmares I had because my father visited me in Africa and let me watch that show with some cousins and I'll never forget it to this day. Uh, even the words Hansel and Gretel put chills up my spine because I was so small and that witch scared, scared, scared me. Anyway, but you know how she would put breadcrumbs 
you know, and to lure them or, or, or some candy or whatever it was, but to lure them into the forest. Well, sometimes, this may be a bad example, honey. I don't know we should be talking about witches, but anyway. But the point is, is that sometimes it's like a breadcrumb trail. The Holy Ghost quickens something to you. Something jumps, something bears witness on the inside of you. But that statement may not be the entirety of what God's trying to show you, but it's a breadcrumb. What he's trying to say is follow that, look that up, study that, research that, or pray that out. If it's scripture, then you can study it. If it's not, you can't really necessarily study it. But, but if it's just a phrase and it's not scripture, just pray that out. Wait on me because he's trying to lead you down a trail so that he can reveal something to you. So pay attention. That's free. It wasn't part of your costs this evening. This is not even part of my sermon, but there's little unctions. There's little, uh, you have an unction of the Holy One that dwells in you, First John says. So there is a unction. There is a there is a witness, there is a jump in your spirit at times, pay attention because the Holy Ghost is trying to do something. So when that happened, Jenny, that happened on Monday evening. But you know, by the time we're done that and then the kids and everything, I didn't feel an urgency to look up that phrase right then and there. And then on Tuesday, I didn't feel an urgency, but I knew at some point this week I was going to get to it, but there wasn't an urgency. But then this morning when I opened my eyes, the first thing I heard, and he doesn't normally speak to me like that so clearly right when I opened my eyes. But as soon as I opened my eyes, I heard the word of the Lord say, I want you to preach on Nehemiah tonight. And that statement that Pastor Nancy said is part of my answer to you. That's why it jumped. Now, that's the authoritative voice of the Spirit. I could actually put it into phrase. I could write exactly down what he said. But the, the one Monday night was no voice. It was just a knowing, a jumping, a bearing of witness. So many times he'll start with that bearing of witness. And then if you get to know the voice of the Lord well, then he'll, then he'll lead you into the authoritative voice. Let me tell you, if you're given to voices, the Holy Ghost won't talk to you that way because he's trying to protect you from deception. So don't be given to voices or you'll never hear the authoritative voice of the Spirit. Just learn to be skillful in the inner witness when he can trust you that you're skillful with the inner witness, then he'll start giving you more. But that inner witness is the, remember I said on the Daily Connection, everything has to be weighed against the inner witness. And if the inner witness is not balanced, if it's not, if the flow's not there, throw whatever the other thing away. I don't care if an angel appeared to you, throw it out. I don't care if somebody called Jesus appeared to you, throw it out. Because the devil can mimic. He's a master mimicker. The only thing that he cannot mimic is your spirit because your spirit is sealed by the blood of Jesus and nothing is in there but the Holy Ghost. But your mind is not sealed and your ears and your mental, because you're not hearing an audible voice, but you're hearing words in your mind that you believe are coming out of your spirit. But it's very easy sometimes for those words to be coming from the outside, from a demon spirit or from your own mind generating a thought that now you think is coming up, but it's actually just coming down or it's coming from the outside. And so those voices can be mimicked because they're not sealed. The atmosphere is not sealed. Your mind is not sealed. Your body is not sealed. The only thing that is completely sealed like a safe by the blood of Jesus is your spirit man, which is why the New Testament church is to be led by the inner witness because it's the only thing that will never lead you astray. So don't ever, I'm on, I'm on a tangent, but just let me say this. Don't ever say, God, please speak to me. Don't ever ask God to speak to you. Don't ever say, oh, Holy Spirit, I long to hear your voice. Don't 
ever say that or pray that, you are out of scriptural bounds when you do that. Because when you do that, the desire, pure desire, noble desire for God to speak to you, but it's not scriptural to pray that way. And demons hear your prayers, believe me, and they will start accommodating you little by little by little. Before you know it, you're hearing voices and you're following whatever those voices say. But if you look to your spirit, something will be off. Something will not be right. That's what you go with. I never ask God to speak to me. Why do you think he speaks to me so much? Because I don't ask him to. I ask him, Lord, lead me by the inner witness. Lord, I thank you. I say it every day. I say it all the time. Lord, I thank you that I know the inner witness and I, and I follow it quickly. I'm sensitive to the inner witness and I follow it. I'm sensitive to that knowing and I follow it. I, that's what I pray. I don't ask God to speak to me, but he does because I've got skillful here and I still miss it. I still miss it from time to time. Dad Hagen at 87 years old on his 70th year of ministry said, I can miss it. So if Dad Hagen can miss it, I can surely miss it. You can miss it, but don't ask God to speak to you that way. Just say, Lord, I thank you. I'm led by the inner witness. And I thank you that the Holy Ghost helps me by the inner witness to interpret the word. And I can be led by the word as long as it, even the word has to balance with the inner witness. Because a lot of people, like I said on Daily Connection, they can have been taught, you know, you know, take up deadly serpents like in Kentucky, you know, give mine to Geraldine. That's scriptural, but it's a wrong interpretation of scripture. Yes, sure. So I'm giving that example. A lot of people can have a wrong interpretation of what the Bible says and say, well, I've got scripture for it. And then they're adamant on it, but they've misunderstood what the scripture means. Yeah. But the inner witness will still tell you if your idea of the word is wrong. The inner witness will bear witness something's wrong with your interpretation of the word. So follow that. Amen. Remember, Jenny, that minister stood up years ago in the other church where we went to Bible school and he said, oh, God wants to show all of you the day you're going to die. He wants to show you your death so that you can plan appropriately. And that's totally demonic. And then and he said, everybody stand up and pray. Oh, Lord, show me how I'm going to die. Oh, Lord, show me my death. And he took a scripture. He had a scripture for it, but he had twisted that scripture out of context. And that is not what that scripture said. And then, and my wife was in the, I wasn't, but she was in the service and she would hear people, little children say, mommy, God's just shown me I'm going to die in a car accident. Mommy, God's just shown me I'm going to die of cancer. Well, at least I know. That's totally demonic. Now you see, he took a scripture and he perverted it. But how many people in that Pentecostal church did that? And the pastor never got up and corrected it. Oh my God. So the inner witness, the inner witness will warn you when even a scripture is taken out of context. Praise God. So always follow that. So uh, that's just, I just felt prompted to say that. I think some of you, I don't know why there's been such an emphasis on that lately. Friday night, that was the entire daily connection was about the inner witness. I don't know why, but some of you need to pray in tongues more and just meditate on God's word more and stop asking for God to speak to you and stop listening to every voice that you supposedly hear and just start to listen and get still and quiet on the, and just listen for that peace or that check on the inside. Just sense it, just sense it. And it takes time. It's not as dramatic, Taylor, as a voice. But we're not looking for dramatic. We're looking for safe. I don't want dramatic. I want safe. Okay? Dramatic will take you into, into a dark place. Safety. 
is what we're looking for. So, uh, the, but the voice of the Lord said to me this morning, I want you to preach on Nehemiah tonight and what she referenced on Monday, because he knows it jumped and he knows I know that it jumped. That's part of it. I want you to study it. Go study it. And I'm going to speak to you. And so I'm preaching this to all of us. But I know because the Lord showed me particularly some folks. I trust you're watching. I don't know if you are. But he showed me particularly some congregation members that they need to hear this. So I, I'm not calling and saying, hey, God showed me you to me in prayer. I hope you watch live stream. If you can't figure out to watch live stream without a private invitation, then, then you miss it. But hopefully you're watching. I pray that you are. So I want you to turn with me, please, to the book of uh, Nehemiah. And I'm going to read it to you from the Amplified. I like the King James, but the King James sometimes, the wording is a little bit hard to understand sometimes. So I want to read it to you from the Amplified because it's a little easier for our Western minds and modern way of speech. And so read with me, please. And I'm going to read you uh, the whole thing, and then I'm going to comment on what the Lord said. But I feel to read it all first, okay? So you can get the full picture now. Well, actually, I might not do that because I've got six points, and if I do that, I might have to go back and read most of the passages again. So let's just see. Let's just start, and then I might just share with you as we go. But when Sanballat, Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 1, but when Sanballat heard that we were building the wall, Sanballat's a bad dude, okay? He was angry and in a great rage and ridiculed the Jews. And he said before his brethren and the army of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore things at will and by themselves? Will they try to bribe their God with sacrifices? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish, seeing they are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was near him, and he said... What they build, if a fox were to climb upon it, he would break down their stone wall. Do you see what's happening? Sanballat is mocking them with words. And Tobiah, the Ammonite, is mocking them. You know, foxes are light on their feet. He's saying even a fox will knock that down. He's mocking them. Now, I want you to, I'm actually going to just talk to you the things that God revealed to me as I go, because otherwise it will take too long to reread the whole thing. So I want you to notice, and this is what the Lord said to me as I was studying. He said, I want you to notice that every prong of this attack, and there are multiple attacks that happen against Nehemiah. Nehemiah is building the wall. He's restoring the wall of Jerusalem. Because it has been broken down because of the Babylonian captivity. He has permission from King Xerxes, the Persian king, to do this. And there, any time that God has given you a responsibility to do something, there is going to be an attack. And I think we all just better get comfortable with that. There is a bill called C-10 that is secretly trying to be passed by our prime minister in parliament right now. And that bill, and they're not talking about it, and there are whistleblowers that are now going on the, on the media, and they are whistleblowing because he's trying to do it real quiet so nobody knows. And if Bill C-10 passes, it means, and I'm not going to tell the lawyer, but it means more or less that, they, that they, are, they are stripping us of our freedom of speech, and that if we say things on social media or any kind of internet platform that the government disagrees with, whether it's it's religious or any other form, they have a right to remove it without our permission. It is a censoring and it is communism run amok. And it is demon spirits that have got a hold of that prime minister's mind and got a hold of those MPs. 
I'm telling you something. There is a enemy that is arraying itself against freedom of speech and against the gospel specifically. You think the devil cares about freedom of speech? He cares about the gospel. He wants to stop the gospel. You may package it called freedom of speech, but you don't care about the other religions. He's not threatened by them. They're on his side. He cares about the gospel going forth in power, and so he will package things to limit and restrict the gospel. And we have an enemy. He is a very real enemy in our society. And I'm telling you, we are building a place for God's glory to come. We, since Hebron started, we were on a mission to pick up that next level of the anointing, what we call the mantle, and we are on a schedule, Jenny, and I'm sharing it on Sundays. We are on a schedule for both this city, for the Amy Simple McPherson anointing, like Dr. Dufresne prophesied, God's been endeavoring to do something in this city for a long time, and people keep getting, ministers keep getting in his way. God wants to do something in this city. There is a revival coming in this city. I don't know about the rest of the world. I'm sure there is, but I know about this city because Dr. Dufresne said it and God has said it to me. There is something coming for this city and we are going to be one of many most likely churches that house the glory for this city. And so I am building a wall. I am on a mission. I have a mandated assignment and I am working to make something happen for God. And not just this city, but international. It's enough of a job to just try to use my faith for this city, to just take care of this congregation. Why on earth would he ask other places? I don't understand. Just the last couple days, remember I said on Sunday when I was talking about 2022 assignments for spiritual sons and daughters? Well, just just the last couple days, uh, this Caribbean thing that God's been speaking to me is starting to open up. I'm talking about multiple islands. Promise of Life churches in multiple islands, church planters there that are asking to come under our banner. Can we, they're asking, they're pleading, can we go plant churches in the Caribbean under Promise of Life because we recognize the mantle. Now, I can't just say yes until God says yes. So I'm praying and I'm seeking him because I don't want any, I don't want ambition. I don't want numbers. I don't care about any of that nonsense. All I want is exactly what God has said because I know how the devil will work. He'll try to come real secret and real sly like a fox. And he'll say, oh, don't you want to plant churches? But if God's on it, it will become a burden. It will drain money. It will be a, it will be a failure. You got to only do exactly what God says. So I'm praying about it. But what I'm saying is there are international things that God and his divine foreknowledge. I don't know if all of them are his will, but I know some of them are his will that are starting to come. So there is a wall that I am building like Nehemiah in this city, and there's a wall that we are building in the nations. And whenever there is a great assignment upon us, there are enemies that will try to stop us. There are enemies within sometimes the own ranks like Joab's. There are enemies outside, like the politicians and the lawmakers and the Tobias and the Sanballat, Tobias and Sanballats. There are enemies called demons in an invisible realm that will come and hammer your mind. There are many enemies because Paul said the, the door is open unto me. It's an effectual door and there are many adversaries. Oh, praise God. But that's okay. We don't stop what we're doing just because there's an attack. If we did, Taylor, we'd never get anywhere. The kingdom of God would, would, would fail. We cannot stop. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what the attack is against your mind or your body or your finances or right against your marriage or your children or your property or anything. You can't stop. Paul Peter said, where are we going to go, Jesus? He said, you're going to leave me too after all these were offended at my preaching? They got offended at Jesus' preaching. What kind of a person has that testimony? Jesus preached and they got offended. One thing for me to preach, but Jesus, 
And he said, you're going to leave too? Where are we going to go? Lord, you have the words of life. There's nowhere else to go. Now, there's other churches. I don't mean it from that way. There's other churches you can go, but wherever God's planted you, there's nowhere else to go. There's other places you could go, but it's not the place of planting. It's not the place of assignment for you. You won't flourish in that other place. So don't, you can't quit, and I can't quit, even though sometimes the devil wants to make us feel like we should quit. But there is an answer here for us, and I want you to notice the first, all these prongs of attack are fear-based. They're all attacking with the purpose of fear. Now, what did the Lord say Monday night, daily connection, strong, strong on Monday night? Jeremiah 17, 8. Do you remember? The Lord said to me, we said to all of us, don't look at or consider the scorching heat. If you do, you'll be anxious in the year of drought. What is anxiousness? Fear. So what you look at is what you're going to either be in faith about or in fear about. If you look at the attack, you'll be anxious and afraid that you will not prosper. But if you look at the Lord and limit all the no noise in the media and all the discussions around your table about all the bad things happening, if you look at the Lord and just keep focusing on the promises, you won't be anxious or afraid in the year of COVID, but you'll be full of faith in the year of COVID and your leaf will not be withering, it will be green and you'll not cease your food. In other words, you'll prosper. Yeah. But at man, notice how he said that, don't be afraid. Yeah. Yes, he said, don't be afraid because when you consider the heat, you're afraid. Anxiousness means afraid. Oh, yeah. The King James says careful in the day of drought, but that word in the Hebrew means anxious or fearful in the year of drought. Yeah. So he's saying Monday night, don't be afraid. Amen. Now on Tuesday night, last night, he said, talked about Micah 2.12. Yeah. The breakthrough's gone ahead. And you're going to break through and you're going to get through the gate, not sit in the gate, but get through your situation. So don't, in other words, don't be afraid. Don't settle down in your problem. You're going right through it. You're cruising past it because Jesus has blazed a trail of victory. Notice what God, pay attention to the patterns of God. What did he say last Thursday night? Any deadly substance, whether by snake bite, whether by ingesting of poison, two ways that deadly things can get into you. They can come by the outside, going into your skin, or they can come by swallowing. Well, how does COVID get in? It comes by you breathing. Well, there's something in the vaccine, I don't know. Well, how does the vaccine get in? It goes through your skin. Do you see how God put that in the Word? Any form, whether it's a snake or anything like a snake, which include a needle that goes in, or anything, whether it's poison or like a poison, that you breathe or ingest, it shall not hurt thee. God has been very clear. Any deadly substance that touches you will die. And then he said, read Acts 28 about the snake and the fire and read John Lake about the bubonic plague. What is he saying to us? Don't be afraid. He is telling us, Jenny, there is a pattern of theme recently where he's been hammering this in different ways, saying it in different ways. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of the virus. Don't be afraid of the vaccine. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of the heat. Don't look at the situation. Don't be afraid that you're going to stay in your gate forever and I'm never getting out of this problem. No, you're going through onto victory. There is a common trend and thread and theme. He's talking about fear a lot lately. Why is the Holy Ghost saying this to me? It's not me creating this. Him speaking to me and I'm just a mouthpiece. Why is he focusing on? Because some of you are afraid. If everybody was strong, he wouldn't be having me preach this. The fact that he's having me preach this is a mirror reflection of the congregation's spiritual status. So if I'm preaching a lot on fear, it means a lot of the congregation are in fear. Otherwise, he wouldn't have me focus on this, Taylor. So if that's you, my brother or sister, pay attention. God's trying to rescue you. 
Now today is a little bit, if, if we kind of gave you a, a left jab and a right jab on Thursday and Monday and another left jab, this is the knockout blow. Tonight, there are six different aspects of fear that we read in the story. All of them are fear-based. And all of them, God is trying to tell us, you're a Nehemiah. Your pastor is a Nehemiah and you're part of that crowd. You're building something. Do not be afraid. And he is very sly and he will try these fear tactics in a lot of different ways. The devil's not stupid. He doesn't come at you once and you repel him and he goes, uh, I don't know what else to do. Uh, let's try to do it again. <laughs> well, it didn't work. I don't know. Let's try to do it again. He's not stupid. He's a master strategist. If he tries you one way and you resist him, he'll go another way from it with a different face. Then he'll try to go up above you and on. Then he'll try to devour under you and go up. Then he'll try to come up behind you. He will try different angles to get you, but every angle he did with Nehemiah failed. Oh, I'm telling you, this is a word from the Lord for you, whether you're listening or not. I want you to notice that number one, he mocked them. He spoke. Both of them, Jenny, they spoke. There were words, thoughts came into the minds of Nehemiah and the people of God of fear. And not just fear, but mockery. You can't do this. Even a fox will knock over what you do to get them to think, yeah, you know, maybe I can't do this. See, that was a strategy he tried to mock. Don't let him win with you on that strategy. He might, thoughts may come to mock you and to say, it's not going to work. You're going to fail. It's all a bunch of nonsense. You need to answer those thoughts. Say, no, you don't. Praise God. Now, uh, have a look, please, now. In the, what did I say now? Where are we here? I'm in the wrong thing here. Okay, now, now, so we see him, uh, verse 4, And Nehemiah prayed, Hear, O our God, for we are despised, mocked. Turn their taunts upon their own heads and give them for a prey in the land of their captivity. So he, he's not playing games with his prayer. He's saying, Lord, get them. Cover not their iniquity and let not their sin be blotted out before you. For they have vexed with alarm the builders and they have provoked you. Listen to me. When they attack us, Taylor, they provoke him. Did you see? They've attacked the builders. That's the humans. But they've provoked you. When we are on God's, God's mandated assignment and people try to stop us or the devil tries to stop us or humans try to, dis, to mock us and despise us and get us to stop, they're provoking God. See how he said that? They provoked you. So we built the wall, verse 6, uh, and all of it was joined together to half its height for the people had a heart and mind to work. This is very important. If the people, Nehemiah couldn't do it alone, Jenny, and I can't do this alone. If you don't have a heart and a mindset to work with me, the wall and the vision will not be accomplished. Right. He could not do the work on his own. He could lead, he could encourage, he could use his faith, and he could actually get that, work, that trial and he could start working, but he could not do it alone. The people had to have a heart to work. You have to have a heart to watch. You have to have a heart to sow. You have to have a heart to pray. You have to have a heart when we get back together to serve in ministry of helps. You've got to have a heart to evangelize. There's got to be a heart to work with this vision. And I know that you have it or you wouldn't be watching tonight. But I want you to notice that the people had to have a heart and a mind to work. Now, but when, now watch now the second attack. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, and the Arabians, Ammonites, and Ashdodites, this is the same place where we go to Pastor Israel's church in Ashdod. Ashton, Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were going up and that the breaches or the ho openings, the holes were being closed. They were very angry. 
and they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem to injure and cause confusion and failure in it. But because of them, we made our prayer unto our God and set a watch against them day and night. And the leaders of Judah said, the strength of the burden bearers is weakening and there is more rub much rubbish and we are not able to work on the wall. And our enemies have said, they will not know or see till we come in their midst and kill them and stop the work. Do you see what's happening? Yeah. They just mocked them. When that didn't work, now they're planning secretly to come into the middle of them to send spies, basically assassins, into right the middle of the work, what's happening, and then to kill them. So this is far more dangerous than just words, sticks and stones kind of at the beginning, but now it's actually a specific strategy to murder them. Do you see how the devil turned up the heat? He turned up the heat. Now, when they're aware of this, and I want you to notice every time, Jenny, there was a problem, they prayed. Every time they prayed. See, in a time of heat, in a time of scorching, in a time of attack, turn your heart and increase your time in prayer. It's very important we spend more time than ever before in prayer. Notice how many times he said, I've made my prayer unto the Lord. Now, we know in the New Testament, because of doctrine, we don't see this here, but we know we see many other parts in the Old Testament that we've got to answer that. We've got to speak. Yeah. When the Goliath came up against David, he said he answered him. So we know in the New Testament, we need to answer. In the Old Testament, we need to answer. So there, but there's a common trend. We answer those thoughts and attacks. We answer the devil, basically, the enemy. But we spend time praying to God. In a time of great heat and attack, increase your prayer time. Not out of fear, but to spend time with God and to pour out your heart to him. And then answer the attack that is coming against you. Deal with the devil and deal with the father. You don't deal with them the same way. You deal with the devil by answering him with authority, and you deal with the Father by coming to him and pouring out your heart to him. In the time of attack, increase your prayer. Now, have you noticed the second attack was not mockery. The second attack was, a, was an assassination, a sneaky ninja attempt, so to speak, to get in the middle of them and to kill them. Do you see that? Verse 11, we're going to kill them and stop the work. And then verse 12, but when the Jews who lived near them came, they said to us 10 times, you must return to guard our little villages from all places where they dwell. They will be upon us. So not only are they threatening to kill the workers in the wall, but they're killing to threaten the Jews where they go and sleep at night, which are the workers, basically. Ten times they're saying, listen, we're at, we're at danger here. So what does he do? He didn't just pray, Taylor. He did something. There was a natural and a spiritual. So I set armed men behind the wall in places where it was the least protected. And I even thus used the people as families with their swords, spears, and bows. What did he do? There was an attack. He prayed. And then God gave him wisdom of what to do physically. You can't just pray. You've got to have a, a physical plan too because the spiritual and the physical work together. Do you understand? But he was not going to be afraid. When you know assassins are coming to murder you, there's a sense of fear. Oh, yeah. When you think that your work is, a little fox is going to ruin your work, and, and, and there's mockery and despising, you can start to feel despair and fear. Well, what's the point of all of this? Yes. So you see how fear tried to come very subtly? Yes. Then fear tried to come very strongly. I'm going to kill you. You won't listen to our mocking? I'm going to murder you. Yeah. But you see, they, he, he did natural steps, but he prayed, and he decided, I'm not going to be afraid. I love that. And he looked over, verse 14, and I, I, looked over the, I looked them over and rose up and said to the nobles, are you ready for his preaching? 
and the officials and to the other people, he spoke to all the people and said, do not be afraid of the enemy. (laughs) I'm telling you. When I was reading this, that was the first real thing that jumped out strong. The Lord said, I've been having a theme of fear, son. And I'm telling you to tell the people that are building the work with you, do not be afraid of the enemy. Earnestly remember the Lord and imprint him upon your minds. Great and terrible is he. And take from him courage to fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. My God, I want to read that, if you don't mind, please, from the King James, just so you can see exactly how he says it here. And he says, what, what verse was that, 14? And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, Be not afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible. Terrible meaning he causes awe and holy fear. And fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. In other words, there's got to be a fight in you. When the enemy tries to come and separate you, fight. When you feel, oh, I'm going to get sick, fight. When you feel symptoms, fight. When you feel, I don't know what I'm going to do with my money, shut up and fight. There's got to be a fight in you. You only don't fight because you're afraid. We're not afraid. We're not afraid, Jenny. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid in this season. And I'm not going to be afraid in the next season. And I wasn't afraid in the last season. They don't need a willy-dilly preacher oh, yeah. that's a noodle back yeah. no, that's going to bow and curtsy to every little devil thing. On, We're not afraid. Yeah. I might be obeying the government, yeah. but I'm not afraid. That's there was the pa- I won't say his name because I do respect him, but there's a pastor on Sunday that had, you know, 100% yeah. in Elmer, Ontario, and two MPs went and supported him. Now the two MPs have been charged by the police uh, with a $100,000 fine. If, if they're not found innocent. And, and of course, the pastor and six other people were charged. The corporation was charged with a $10 million potential fine if, if, if it goes the full extent of the law. And, uh, when, but anyway, that pastor, when he stood up and he was a, a you know, packed house, and this is last Sunday, the 25th, and when he said, MP, stand up, and MPP, stand up, and he was thanking, and then he made a statement, I understand where he's coming from, but he made a statement and he said, now all those pastors out there that don't have 100% capacity, you're all a bunch of noodlebacks. Because what he's saying is, we should all stand and fight. We should stand and resist. Because it's not, it it might be legal, but it may not be fair. Now you see, but that doesn't, I understand, and I I understand where he's coming from. And I'm not against him. I I maybe even partially agree with him. But there is something more powerful than whether you're a noodleback or not a noodleback. And that is the inner witness of the Spirit. I go not with motivational speeches calling me a noodleback, I go with the inner witness. And I am more than happy to violate, and, and, and that MPP gave a, a thing to the, to the news after that service, and he said, they are violating the rights of Christians, and he said, we must engage in civil disobedience or nothing will ever change. And there's a truth to what he's saying, Jenny, but the bearing of witness would not permit me. So even though my mind wants to engage in civil disobedience, the inner witness will not permit me. So call me a noodleback or not a noodleback. Call me noodle boy if you want. But I don't care what you say. I go with the inner witness. And the inner witness has saved my life more than once. Do you understand? Plus, I don't know. I don't know if our congregation is as courageous as his. 
because even when I told our congregation we can legally have 15%, many, many of you wouldn't even come then because you those people don't understand the blood they don't understand the holy ghost they don't believe in the baptism of the ghost they don't believe in the doctrine of healing they don't believe in angels in the way we do they don't believe in any of that stuff but you simply tell those simple people that all they know is that jesus died for them and you say would you please come and worship jesus even if the police come of course if that's what jesus wants me to do i'll do it but all of us high flute and fancy teaching you ask our congregation would you come <sighs> but yet we know the blood and we know all these wonderful doctrines but don't seem to work i don't don't get me started i'm just saying Maybe that's why God told me not to do it, because he knows you wouldn't support it. Or maybe he just said, don't do it because he doesn't want us to do it. I don't know and I don't care. All I know is that he said, don't. So I follow that inner witness, honey. Praise God. But I want you to know that there, are, there is a fight. That's what I was talking about. There is a fight that you must have inside you when attacks come. I love the way he said it. <laughs> he looked over them and rose up and said to the nobles, the officials, and to the other people, do not be afraid of the enemy. That is my word to you. That is God's word to you tonight. Do not be afraid of the enemy. Hallelujah. Amen. Earnestly remember the Lord your God. Imprint him upon your minds. Think about him like a branding in your thoughts. For he is great and he is terrible. Amen. He is not if God is all powerful and he's our God. And that means nothing can overcome us because we've got him. Yeah. Praise God. And take, I love that, Jenny, take from God the courage. Where are you going to get the courage? From him. Take from God as you're led by the Spirit, but take from God the courage to fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. In other words, there has been an attack to mock us, and we are still standing. There has been an attack to murder us, and we are still standing. We will fight, and we will take courage in this season. I don't know what people realize, but there's an anointing imparting to them even as I preach. You don't need the laying on of hands. You just sit under when God is speaking. You just sit and something will go inside of you by the anointing. And I'm telling you, it's happening if you'll open up your heart. And when our enemies heard that their plot was known to us, verse 15, and that God had frustrated their purpose, we all returned to the wall, everyone to his work. Hallelujah. And from that time forth, half of my servants worked at the task and the other half held the spears shields bows and coats of mail and the leaders stood behind all the house of judah those who built the wall and those who bore burdens loaded themselves so that everyone worked with one hand and held a weapon with the other hand and every builder had his sword girded by his side and so they worked and he who sounded the trumpet was by my side put up uh, put that up please if you don't mind I, I mean i had another picture but it was too pixelated so i couldn't put it on the screen but that's just an image of nehemiah on the walls as he's building but the other picture uh, that that i wanted to put it showed a man with a sword holding a sword and a trowel yeah. Because that's what they were. They were working with mortar to get the bricks organized. There was, there, was, there was equipment, hammers and trowels and measuring sticks. There was equipment in one hand and weapons in the other hand. And that is what the Holy Ghost downloaded to me, Johnny. He said, this is a season. Tell the people to work, but tell the people to fight. There is a fight with the work. Because we are harassed. Yes, there is an enemy, but we are not going to be afraid. When you see your pastor, I've got a trial to build the kingdom of God and I have a sword when that devil shows up to decapitate him. And sometimes we get so focused on the work, we forget that there's a real enemy out there. And sometimes we get so focused on the enemy, we forget to do the work. 
You've got to have in one hand a weapon of war. That's your authority in the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus. And know who you are and answer and speak. That's your sword of the Spirit, the Word of the living God. And on the other hand, you have to have the vision of promise of life burning in your heart. The vision of Nehemiah's wall. The work and the mandate that I say, I'm going to do it, Pastor, and I'm going to fight. And I will not be afraid. I'm telling you, that's God speaking today. I have a trial and a sword. Praise God. Hallelujah. And every builder... Verse 18, girded by his side, sword girded by his side, so they worked. And he who sounded the trumpet was right by me. Why? They didn't have cell phones, so they had trumpeters, because that's the only way to communicate in that time. And I said to the nobles and the officials and the rest of the people, the work is great and scattered, because it's a long wall. And we are separated on the wall far, one far from another. The devil likes to pick people off, you see. In whatever place you hear the sound of the trumpet, Rally to us there, and God will fight for us. Are you listening to me? Because the Spirit of God is speaking to you. We're all separated. But when you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to that place. Do not stay alone on the wall. They will pick you off. Rally to us there, and God will fight for us. Some of you, I've been sounding the trumpet and you will not rally. Yeah, that's true. I've obeyed the government and I'm following the witness of the Spirit. But when they give us permission to come back or before, if God speaks to me differently, and I say, guys, we're meeting on Sunday. What is that? It is a sound of the trumpet. And when you hear that, rally yourself. Do you see that? That's an instruction from God. God himself said, don't you stay over yonder by yourself because the enemy will work on you. When you hear the sound of the trumpet, gather. When I say we're meeting, gather. And God will fight. Notice, listen to me. I hope they're getting it, Jenny. If you don't gather, God don't fight the same for you. Did you notice he said the condition of God will fight for us is if you gather. But when you stay isolated, Jesus said, I leave the 99 and I go after that rebellious one because he left the fold. Because the wolf will come for him. Right? Right? The one that's alone is in danger of the wolf. So Jesus has to go rescue and not, not say, well, I understand why you're doing this. No, bring them back to the fold. Bring them back to gathering. There is something about the corporate umbrella anointing that if you refuse to gather when God calls you to gather, you remove yourself from all the protection and the ability that God has to his power to fight and to change things in your life. When the trumpet calls to gather and you stay away intentionally, God will fight and work by his power with those that are together. But the ones that won't listen and are rebellious, that one sheep out of nine, they will not have the same power at work for them. So I'm telling you, when I call the trumpet, if if you want God to work for you to maximum potential, if you want all of his power working for your finances and your health and your this and your that and everything else, gather when you hear the call. The call has not gone out yet because the spirit has not said call them. But when I call them, if this man who with with doctrines that they don't understand what we understand in Revelation, and he gave the call and the sheep gathered. 
If they can do that, not knowing what we know, and I give you a call, I expect, I plumb expect you to gather. And shame on you if you don't. Because some of you have made all your excuses about this and that, and it's nothing but fear. It's nothing but listening to other voices instead of the voice of the Spirit. Because the Holy Ghost will never tell you ever anything that violates the Bible. And the Bible says, do not forsake, Hebrews 10, 25, the gathering. So the Holy Ghost will never lead you to forsake that because my family wants this or my dad wants this or my boss wants this. I don't care what they want. The Lord Jesus supersedes them. And when he says gather, that means you are forbidden to not gather. You must gather because he said, forsake it not. And he has said here now with another scripture, when you hear the call, gather, and then God will come in full power to fight for you. I don't know if they're getting it, Jenny, but I'm telling you, this is right from the throne of God for you. We are not afraid. And when the call goes out, gather. And the God. Now I want you to notice something. Did you notice here, I wrote this down. Did you notice that he says in verse 14, He says, don't be afraid. Remember the Lord that he's great and terrible and fight. But you notice there in verse 20, he says, God will fight. It looks like they're opposite, but they're not. Because we, in other words, it says, this is New Testament doctrine. Shaped in Old Testament wording. What he's saying is, you do your part and you fight. And God will then, notice who went first, not God, the people. And then God will do his part and he will fight. What does it mean? You, they had to physically pick up a sword. What do we do? You speak, you answer, you command, you release authority. You, whatever you bind will be bound. Whatever you loose will be loose. You fight with your words. And then God comes. And he takes his power, Jenny, and he backs up your words. And he causes what you say to happen. And his power pushes back darkness. And his power brings the blessing. And his power causes what you said with your authority in his name to actually happen. This is what we preach all the time. You speak and God's power will back you. What is he saying? You fight and God will fight for us. What he's saying is do your part, God will do his part. But did you notice that they didn't gather? God couldn't do his part. My God. If if they didn't obey the voice of the pastor and gather when the trumpet sounded, God could not do his full measure of helping them. So start to speak. Stop being afraid. Imprint upon your mind the great terrible God that he is all powerful. He is with us. He will not leave us. And start to fight. Start to speak. Do not be afraid. Start to speak. And God will come. And he'll help you. He'll back up your words. And when I call, and the Spirit says, now, son, and I call, and the trumpet goes out, and the constant contact is your trumpet. And when I say from the announcements, that is your trumpet. When I say we're meeting, gather! Because God can only fight for you. His power only works to full measure when you obey the voice of your prophet over your pastor and of your Nehemiah. And that's me, brother and sister. I'm not the other pastor. I don't judge him. I can only go with the inner witness for me. And I'm not a noodle back or a noodle boy. I'm, believe me, I'm more bold than most of you put together. But I will not violate the inner witness. I don't care for anybody or for what the situation. I have learned it will save your life. So I will not violate that. But when I call, gather. 
or you got no business being a part of this vision. Now I'll let you, I'll let you watch from the sidelines. I'm telling you, you're causing me grief. Bible says, let them that watch over your souls do it with joy and not grief for it is not profitable for you if they're grieved about you. When I call and you disregard my call, you cause me grieving. And the power of God won't fight for you the same way. And you think you're getting away with it. Some of them think they're getting away with it, Taylor. In fact, I speak by the Spirit. I speak by the Word of Knowledge right now. I can see one couple right now. And you've said, well, nothing's really happened. Our life seems to be okay. You, you're deceived. You think you're getting away with it. You think everything's fine. But you are on dangerous territory. Because when the Spirit of God calls and you do not heed the call, you open a door for devils and they are strategizing against you and you're opening and well putting the welcome mat out because of your disobedience. Because when your pastor calls, you should answer. When Pastor Nancy calls, I don't care where I am or what I'm doing, I answer. I don't care if it's three in the morning, I answer. I answer because I understand honor for her. I understand divine authority. When the centurion calls, the soldier answers. I'm a man under authority, having soldiers under me. When I say go, he goes. When I say come, he comes. When I say do this, he does it. And Jesus said, you've got the greatest faith in the whole nation because you understand authority. There is a measure of authority a pastor has in the realm of the spirit. Yield to it and you'll see that God will fight for you. I don't want to over overwhelm that point, Jenny, but it's such an important point. Hallelujah. Praise God. And so now we see verse 21. So we labored at the work while half of them held spears from dawn until the stars came out. At that time also, I said to the people, let everyone with his servant lodge within Jerusalem, that at night there they may be a guard to us and a labor during the... In other words, all you little villagers, come in here. I can't protect you out there, but I can protect you here because there's guards. See the wisdom? They didn't just pray and then use foolishness. They prayed and used wisdom, divine wisdom. Come in here. Hallelujah. So none of us, I, my kinsmen, my servants, nor the men of the guard who followed me took off our clothes, except each his weapon in his hand for days. The King James says they only took their clothes off to wash it. In other words, there was no other focus whatsoever than the assignment. Complete focus. Holding a trowel and holding a sword. We're fighting and we're building. Praise God. Now, almost done. It's 8.51. Let's go to chapter 6. We'll skip 5, but let's go to chapter 6 because there's more the Lord said to me in chapter 6. Now, when Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and there was no breach or hole left in it, although at that time I had not yet set up the doors and the gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent to me saying, Come! Let us meet together in one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they intended to do me harm. So how did he answer? Oh, no, <laughs> I ain't coming. Praise God to the valley of Ono. The answer is, oh, no, praise God. That's a Randy Greer cheesy joke for you right there. And I sent messages to them saying, now, oh, I love this. Watch now. I sent messages, verse 3, to them saying, I am doing a great work and cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it to come down? To you. They sent to me four times this way, and I answered them as before. Praise God. I want you to notice here that the third attack was he tried to lure them to a meeting. 
Notice he came with mockery, then he came with assassins. Now he's trying to lure them away from their, the comfort of their walls and the protection of their soldiers into a, a meeting in the Valley of Ono. There's pressure, but he knows that they're to do him harm. See, see the sneakiness of the devil? And he'll try to be sneaky with you. If he can't get you straight, he'll come at the side. Can't get at the side, he'll tunnel up underneath you. Can't get that, he'll drop off you from the tree above you. He'll try. Lots of different texts, lots of different tactics. But there was lots of different tactics with Nehemiah, and he never once was afraid. He kept building, and he kept fighting. And he kept his eyes on the Lord. And he kept speaking. And God kept fighting for him. Praise God. So did you notice there was a luring to a meeting in the plain of Ono? See the other tactic? Now I like this, Taylor, and I'm saying this because I heard that. Now this is the phrase Pastor Nancy said on Monday. She didn't quote, she didn't probably know the exact reference, but she was quoting Nehemiah 6.3, although she didn't say Nehemiah 6.3. But she said, you know, some of you pastors, you need to answer the devil and say, I am doing a great work. Why should I come down unto you and let the work stop so I can be distracted with the flow of this and the flow of that and the flow of the other thing when I'm in the flow of the Spirit? See, that's when the Spirit jumped. He didn't, she didn't even say Nehemiah 6, but he jumped. And I knew that meant go study that. I've got an answer for you. And then this morning he said, you preach that tonight. What she said was the, a trail of, now look at all the other stuff. That's the only statement she made. But look at the trail of breadcrumbs of all the other things God wanted me to say that I would have missed if I hadn't have followed that one verse. Taylor, I'm doing a great work. And that's not, that's not, that's not uh, ambition, that's not pride or arrogance, that's not uh, narcissism. I'm telling you, I'm doing a great work. If Nehemiah, as a humble man, could say, I'm doing a great work, I'm not going to come down and talk to you, waste my time, I'm doing a great work. You're just a strategy to get me distracted and to try to hurt me. I'm doing a great work and I'm not going to be distracted. My brothers and sisters, start to say with me, we're doing a great work at Promise of Life. And we're not going to be distracted. No, we have a sword and we have a trowel. And that's it. That's all I have to say about that. Like Forrest Gump. And that's all I've got to say about that. i got a sword and i got a trowel. And I'm, not, I'm doing a great work with Pastor. And I'm not going to be distracted. And I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to answer and fight. And God's going to fight for me. And when he calls with the trumpet, I'm going to gather. Praise God. Hallelujah, Jennifer. Glory. So four times. Then verse 5. Then Sanballat sent his servant to me again the fifth time with an open letter. In it was written, now watch the fourth attack, yeah. slander. It is reported among the neighboring nations, and Gashmu says it, I guess he was an important dude, that you and the Jews plan to rebel. Therefore you are building the wall that you may be their king, according to the report. Also you have set up prophets to announce concerning you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah, and now this will be reported to the Persian king. So come now and let us take counsel together. I replied to him, no such things as you have say have been done. You are inventing them out of your own heart and mind. Do you see what he's saying? Oh, you're going to be a king. That's called treason. And that's punishable by a painful death by the Persian king Xerxes. He's trying to make them afraid. They, th those, those Persians were known to be very cruel. When they executed you, they executed you in cruel ways. It wasn't just a nice, simple cutting your throat. They tortured you usually first, if you study history. And, they, and obviously, Nehemiah knows that. So he's trying to say, hey, we all know that you're trying to become king of Judah. That's treason because this property belongs to the king Xerxes. We're going to tell him he's going to kill you, bad boy. Yeah. See, another attack. He comes with mockery. He comes with assassins. Then he comes with a, with a meeting to try to lure him away. Now he comes with slander, yeah. uh, false accusations of treason. Yeah. 
And what's he saying? No, 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 no. You're making this up. No, 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 no. I'm doing a great work. I'm not coming down to you. Forget it. You're not worth it. I love that spirit of faith, Taylor. Hallelujah. Verse 9. For they all, there's four attacks we've seen. For they all wanted to frighten us. Did you see that? They all wanted to frighten us. What is the, what is the key here? Fear. The devil works with fear. Well, maybe the, maybe the vaccine will give me something. No deadly substance shall harm thee. Well, I might get COVID. No deadly substance shall harm me. Well, I might lose my work. I might lose my job. God said that your leaf will remain green and you will not cease yielding fruit. Anything the devil throws at you, you answer him with a verse. And when you fight with your mouth, God fights. His power comes. My God, don't be. Why, why did they do this? I'm reading the Bible to you. It says, verse 9, for they wanted to frighten us. The King James says they wanted to make us afraid. Thinking, that this is what the enemy was saying, if we can get them afraid, now the enemy's saying these words, their hands will be so weak that the work will not be done. So what is, what is he answering? Notice he answers. See, he's answering. Lord, they said by their frightening statements, they think that our hands will be so weak that we can't finish the wall. So, Lord, strengthen our hands. I mean, he's not backing down not one inch, Jenny. Verse 10, this is the fifth attack. I went into the house of Shemaiah, son of Delilah, or whatever. Deliah. Deliah. The son of Methabel, or whatever, who was shut up or closed up. And he said, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. And let us shut the doors of the temple, for they are coming to kill you. At night they are coming to kill you. Oh, and my favorite of all the verses I've preached is verse 11. But I said, and when I read this, Jenny, I'm telling you, my spirit almost jumped out of my body. When I, when I was studying, I mean, God fell on me stronger than any other verse I've read. And I said, should such a man as I flee? Oh, my God. Them fighting words. And what man such as I should go into the temple, could go into the temple where only priests are allowed to go and yet live? I will not go in. Do you see what's happening, Taylor? The fifth attack is a very sly strategy with a religious context. Come to church. We'll talk behind closed doors because don't you know, they're coming to kill you. See, fear. They're coming to kill you. They're always trying to make him afraid. And they're using a religious veneer, Jenny, to try to bait him this time. The plain of Ono wasn't a religious veneer, but now there's a religious thing called the temple. The devil will use every rotten down low trick in his bag to try to make you afraid. Well, they're going to hurt you. They're going to kill you. And I love the answer, man. Should such a man as I flee? In other words, you don't know who I am. You don't know who I am. I'm a man that is unafraid. I'm a man with a sword and a trowel. I'm a man that fights, and my God fights for me. You don't know who I am. Should such a man as I flee? No, sir. I'm telling you, Jenny, that's how we got to answer this COVID season. Should such a man as I bow to you, devil? Should such a man as I be afraid for my finances? Should such a man as I be afraid because symptoms come on my body? Should such a man as me flee? You obviously don't know who I am, Shemaiah. You don't know who I am. I'm telling you, congregation, should such a man as I flee? I'm not fleeing. I'm not backing down. I've got a sword and a trowel. 
I am unafraid, and I'm fighting, and my God's fighting for me. And I'm blowing a trumpet, and my people are gathering because they know the voice of their shepherd, the upper shepherd Jesus and the lower shepherd, Pastor Craig. They know the voice, and in others, they do not follow. Amen. Praise God. I love it, Jenny. That, 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 that line will go down in the annals of history. Amen. Should such a man as I flee? <laughs> yeah. What an answer. Amen. And now behold, verse 12, I saw that God had not sent him, but he made his prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. Talk about deception. They called an associate pastor. Go and tell him. We'll pay you. Tell him that they're going to kill him. Tell him to come in the temple. Just anything to get him from stopping the work. Talk about a fear tactic, a deception tactic. That was number five. Praise God. Now, verse 13. He was hired that I should be made afraid. You see how many times it says that, Taylor? They're trying to frighten us. They're trying to make me afraid. The devil's trying to make people afraid today. He was hired, Jenny, the situation we've been facing is trying to make us afraid. It's not going to work. We are not afraid. We fight and our God will fight for us. I'm telling you by the Spirit, Jenny, we are not afraid. In Jesus' name. He was hired that I should be made afraid and to do as he said and to sin that he might have matter for an evil report with which to taunt and reproach me. My God, think, no, he's talking to God, man. You don't want Nehemiah praying against you. My God, think on Tobiah and Sanballat according to these, their works. And on the prophetess, Nadiah, and on the rest of the prophets who would have put me in fear. Do you see how many times fear is mentioned? This is an assault of fear. So the wall was finished. On the 25th day of the month Elul, in 52 days was it finished. When all our enemies heard it, all the nations around us feared and fell far in their own esteem, for they saw that this work was done by our God. Moreover, in the days the nobles of Judah... Now, this is the last attack. Are you ready? This is, all these attacks and the wall's finished. But even after the wall's finished, the devil don't leave him alone. Now watch, moreover in those days, the nobles of Judah sent many letters to Tobiah. His own people were dealing with the enemy Tobiah. And Tobiah's letters came to them. They're corresponding. Verse 18, for many in Judah were bound by oath to him because he was the son-in-law of Shechaniah, the son of Ariah, and the son of this, married this. There was some, some league between the families. Oh my, do you see what this is? This is Joab. The people that are supposed to be with him are in league with the enemy. Joab, who's supposed to be with David, is disobeying. Disloyal, betrayal, traitor. That's an attack, Jenny. When people betray you and they are disloyal to you and they act like traitors, that is a great attack because he's come from the inside of the army. He's come into your own army and turned them against you. That in some ways can be the worst kind of attack, the worst pain that a leader can feel. It's one thing when you know who you're fighting, but when the ones you thought were with you turn and stab you in the back, there's a pain that comes with that, that the same piercing that the enemy does doesn't hold the same sting as the one that you trusted. That's why it was so painful for Jesus with with, uh, Judas, because he trusted that man. He loved him. He washed his feet on the night he betrayed him. My God, 
Well, technically he didn't. He had already left by the time he washed feet. But you know what I'm saying. He loved Judas and he had been with them the whole time. Now, they were bound by an oath. Now watch verse 19. And they spoke, they, the nobles, his own people, spoke to him, Nehemiah, of Tobiah's good deeds. Also, they spoke of Tobiah's good deeds before me and then went and told him what I said. And Tobiah then sent letters to frighten me. Frighten me. You see, frighten me. Talk about betrayal. Yes, yes. They're trying to say, Pastor, he's not that bad. Look at all the good things. And then they talk. And then they secretly take what Nehemiah said and go back and tell Tobiah without his knowledge and feed him information. And then Tobiah, with that information, writes letters to threaten Nehemiah and frighten him. But his own people betrayed him to Tobiah. So there are six attacks we see in chapter 4 and chapter 6. One, they mocked with words. Two, they tried to do assassination attempts to murder. Three, tried to get him to go to a meeting in the Valley of Ono. Four, accused him of treason to the king of Persia. Five, hired prophets, religious veneer, saying that he'd be killed if he didn't come and meet with them. And number six, his own people in league with the enemy, feeding secret information so that he can threaten him with letters. Six different attacks, every one of them rooted in fear. Praise God. So what are the verses? If you're highlighting anything, highlight 414. Be not afraid. Remember, imprint upon your minds the Lord great and terrible and fight. And highlight Chapter 4, verse 20, our God, come when you hear the call. Our God will fight for us. I love it, Jenny. What revelation just out of those two verses? And in chapter 6, if you're going to highlight anything, highlight if chapter 6, verse 3, I'm doing a great work. I'm not coming down to you, COVID. I'm not lowering myself to your level, COVID. I'm not lowering myself to your level, fear. I'm doing a great work. We're doing a great work. Highlight number three. Uh, highlight uh, chapter six and verse nine. They wanted to frighten us, so what did he say? Strengthen my hands, O oh God. It's okay to ask God for strength. He'll give it to you. Praise God. And the, my favorite of all of them, number chapter six, verse 11. Should such a man as I flee? I love it, Jenny. Should such a man as I be afraid? I love it. Because when you flee, you're afraid. So really, we could say, should such a man as I be afraid? That obviously meant he had a high opinion of who he was in God. Not in him, that's arrogance, but in God is faith. Thinking you're great in yourself is pride. Thinking you're great in God is faith. He thought he was great in God. Should such a man as I be afraid? I want you all to know one thing. Should such a man as this, Pastor Craig, should such a man as me be afraid? I'm not afraid of COVID. I'm not afraid whether people leave the church, join the church, or anything in between. I'm not afraid. I'm holding a trowel, and I'm holding a sword. And I'm telling you, don't be afraid. The Lord is with us. Fight and speak, and his power will come on the scene. We are not going to flee. We are not going to yield to fear. We are not going to yield to six attacks of the enemy. We are building a great work. And such a man as I and such a man and woman as you is not going to flee and not going to be afraid. When I call, gather. And the power of God will back us up. Praise God. Praise God. And praise God. Father, I've delivered your message as you spoke it to me.
Lord, I can feel your smiling face on me right now. I know you're pleased with this. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that, Holy Spirit, you are pleased with this message tonight, that I have delivered it in the way and in the form that you desired me to. And without your anointing, it couldn't have worked, but I thank you for your anointing that impregnated words and planted it in their hearts. I thank you, Lord, that they yield to these words, that they fight against fear, that they remember the great, terrible God that stands with them. And that they know because they're connected and faithful to their Nehemiah and they will come when called. That includes watching live stream is coming when called. Coming to the building is coming when called. Tithing and doing e-transfers is coming when called. Lord, because they come when they're called, when the trumpet blasts and they have spoken and fought with their words and they have obeyed and stayed connected and come when the trumpet sounded, your power will work for them. And I decree it and I say it and I proclaim it over every life that is watching. The power of God will fight for you. We will not be afraid. We will fight and we will build during this season. Should such a church as ours flee. No, sir. We stand and we give God glory. It will surely come to pass. In G, I can feel that spirit of faith emanating out of my pores. My God, my God, my God, my God. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. I can only say hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Praise be to your holy name. Thank you for answering me. Thank you for strengthening my hand tonight. Thank you for strengthening Pastor Jenny's hand tonight. Thank you for strengthening the hands of my staff tonight. Thank you for strengthening the hands of my senior leaders tonight. Thank you for strengthening the hands of my IPT tonight. Thank you for strengthening the hands of my department heads tonight. Thank you for strengthening the hands of my congregation tonight. I thank you, Father, for it. Strengthen their hands. He prayed, I pray like him. Oh God, strengthen our hands. Lord, strengthen this church that we would build and fight in Jesus' name and that the mandate will be fulfilled. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name I pray and I bless everyone watching and I bless everyone that is watching and after the fact and archived because they were working. I thank you, Lord, to strengthen their hands tonight for the work and let them have a heart and a mind to work with me and let them not listen to these devilish attacks and all the sly different ways that enemy comes at us. Let us stand our ground in Jesus' name. I bless you and I thank you, Father. Congregation, I bless you. This anointing is the kind of anointing that I feel when I get in front of large crowds. I don't know how to explain that to you, Jenny. But when I've gone on the mission field and I'm preaching to large groups of people, like when I was with Alan and when I've been in Russia and other places, and there's large hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, then there's a certain kind of flow that comes on me. It's almost like a, I don't know how to do it, it's almost like a spokesman, like I'm decreeing something. And here I've got an empty sanctuary. But that same thing came on me tonight to decree something. It's like there's thousands of people. That's that same kind of sense that I have when I have overseas. I'm decreeing something. It's like I'm speaking to the masses and I'm, and I'm stirring them for war. That's that same anointing that's here tonight but the place is empty. But you're watching. So you just lift your hands right now if in your rooms. If you're hungry and if you're humble, lift your hands and just say, Father, I receive it in Jesus' name. I receive the strengthening of my hands. I receive the help of the Holy Ghost. I will fight. God will fight for me. And I come when I'm called. 
Oh, thank you for strengthening my hands. Should such a man as me be afraid? No, sir. I hold the trowel. I hold the spear and I fight. In Jesus' mighty name, I build and I fight. Glory, glory, glory to God. I thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. I'm done. My assignment is done.